Dear Lord, thank you for this day and for this opportunity to come together once again in this place to worship you, to grow and to celebrate you. As we entered in, we enter into this uh, Christmas season, Lord, a time when even the world stops and gives pause to who you are. Even if they don't want to keep Christ in Christmas, they're going to be encouraged to at least a few times a day. So we thank you for this opportunity for all of those who don't know you to really see your light in those who do know you. And so we thank you, Lord, as we are discipled a little bit more today and we grow closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what's everybody want for Christmas? Don't answer. I just wanted you to think about it. I don't want you to say it. Some of you might get started and not be able to stop. I know some people like that. <laughs> but with, with everything that goes on in, in this time of year, apart from Santa Claus and his elves moving around the house, you got to deal with Amazon and all the black this and that and the other and and uh, cyber this and that and traffic jams and craziness. I know even myself, I, I have to be so cautious because the more I the more I want to get things accomplished and set goals and and things for the future, for my family, for God's glory and all the beautiful things I can see, you know, it's, it's, it's hard not to get caught up in the, the stress of it all, to get overwhelmed and just to lose our peace. It's easy to get trapped in the commercialism of Christmas and the ungodly wants and desires that seem to accompany it. Although everybody talks about all the commercialism of Christmas, and obviously it's there, but I'm, I've never just been one to really focus on that so much. I, I love Christmas. I love Christmas because uh, I, I, I keep Christ in Christmas. And, uh, and then I generally go overboard a little bit on things. And uh, that's okay, you know. Because uh, anytime the world will take a month apart and uh, celebrate the Lord in song and, and name, even if they don't mean it always yet, I say yet, that's a good thing. So we're going to always celebrate Christmas at my house. Amen. Amen. I remember, though, when I was a kid, I talk about this a lot because <laughs> I can remember the old folks always saying, if you ask them what they wanted for Christmas... Just a little peace was always the answer. Just a little peace. What do you think they meant by that? Oh, I want peace. Just a little peace. I looked up peace one time in the dictionary. And I kept the definition. There's several. It says a state of tranquility or quiet. Um, freedom from civil disturbance. 
a state of security or order within a community provided for by law or custom. You can have a, a breach of the peace. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. That's a good one. Harmony in personal relationships. That's a pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. Another good example. Used interjectionally to ask for silence or calm or as a greeting or a farewell. I think of Jesus. Peace, be still. Quiet the waters. In a state of concord or tranquility is to be at peace. <coughs> so what do we think peace looks like? What is peace? Is it just the opposite of war? Or when there's no fighting or violence? or Nobody's arguing? <laughs> there's no strife in our midst? That's having peace with others. And that's a good thing. What about peace on the inside? That's where it's missing a lot of times, I find. That's my signal to go to the maker. We have peace in our hearts when, we, when we're not worried or upset or angry or afraid. This is something that people may not be able to see on the outside of us. I remember my grandpa was the calmest, most serene man ever. But I don't think he really was on the inside. I had a grandmother that was all the time, you know, and she loved him and she loved us all. But boy, <laughs> yeah, Shavana knew her. But people may not understand there's a lot going on on the inside sometimes, but we think about all the things that can go wrong this time of year, especially we think of all of our responsibilities, all the presents we need to buy, who, do, who wants this, who expects this, who expects anything, you know. You can get caught up in all that. And it's easy because we don't want anyone to really be disappointed, <laughs> right? So you're having to figure all this out. I remember Tavana used to get caught up in that at work. She worked in a corporate type setting and uh, with like, she had like 16 women that were kind of under her, you know, and then, and then bosses too and all that. And, you know, once one of them gets something for somebody, then it's like a snowball and she would just be frazzled all the time. And it was, and she knew what was happening. She could see it, but she nothing she could really do. <laughs> it just got caught up in it, you know. <laughs> so we put a lot of burdens on ourselves and stress is a byproduct of it. It's really wrong-minded lifestyle that allows us to get to that place. But sometimes, I'm telling you, it just seems like it's inevitable. <laughs> so people are left just wanting a little peace. Just a little peace. God doesn't want his people to live without peace. In their hearts or their minds. Inwardly or outwardly. He wants us to be at peace. And what about peace with God? That's another thing about peace that we need to think about. For starters, there's no peace without God anyway. And when Adam and Eve started out in the Garden of Eden, they had peace with God. 
didn't they? They walked with him. They talked with him. They were friends. They walked in the garden in the cool of the day. But when Adam and Eve chose to sin by trusting Satan instead of trusting God, then that peace that they had established between them and God was broken. In Genesis chapter 3. Ever since, everybody born of that seed of Adam has had that corrupted seed, that fallen nature inside of us, that seed of Satan, to be the truth be known, because of that corrupted seed of Adam. No fault of our own, but because of that sin nature, the Bible says that every person actually has sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. It's not actually that individual sin. That, that's keeping us from God. It's that sin nature. That was really no fault of our own. But. Just because it wasn't our fault. The fact that we have sinned. Each of us. That does make it our burden. Amen. And God wanted to restore that peace, didn't he? He didn't. It, it wasn't his fault that we as a, as a race, as, a, as human beings, decided to mistrust him and be separated from him. But he set out to fix it. And it took a great plan of several thousand years for him to line everything up properly to to bring Christ to earth and uh, and justify us. We're justified now by faith, right? And that's what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. Being justified, though, as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And this brings us to the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 2, starting around the 8th verse, uh, this is English Standard. I'm going to read this out of the King James Version. Luke chapter 2, starting at the 8th verse. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The NIV, that was the King James, the NIV in that 14th or that last verse I read says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Are you with me? Amen. 
This is where some mistakenly appropriate grace for everybody the, and peace. You see it if you've ever watched a beauty pageant in your life. <laughs> you've seen you've seen someone wishing for world peace, right? In other places too, but I, I just seems for some reason that that's one of the things the the beauty pageant girls always ask for. It's a beautiful thing. You see these far left wing circles where they'll give their life for a tree, but then they'll allow babies to be murdered by the millions. A lot of people have taken this scripture to mean that there will be peace on earth among men. This is what I'm getting at. That 14th verse, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And then in the other version, it says peace on earth, peace to those to whom his, on whom his favor rests. You see in that? Okay. That's the distinction I'm trying to, to show you. Is that because a lot of people have taken this as peace on earth amongst men. Blessed are the peacemakers. But this world peace people dream of only happens when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom here. At that time, those of us who know him will reign with him in peace. He talks about that in Revelation, the 20th chapter, specifically the 6th verse. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection, it says, for them the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. That's here on the earth when he sets up the new Jerusalem. But not now. Now... We're living in the most dangerous time in world history. Just ask the families of all the congregants of that little church in South Texas from a few weeks ago. 90,000 Christians a year are being martyred. The word martyr means they're being killed because of their Christianity. Not just Christians being killed. That number is much higher. But those being martyred for their faith. 90,000 a year for the past 10 years for sure. The destruction of entire civilizations is taking place. ISIS is on the circle in the drain. But that ideology has not been defeated. That's the problem. Politics of the world are crazy. At best, I believe we have a reprieve set in place from God for these 12 years. It's like a struggle between good and evil now in the world and in our nation. And it all ends in a final battle near Jerusalem, doesn't it? When God is really going to show his power. And that's going to be an awesome thing. But the Savior that God promised was Jesus. God fulfilled His promise when He sent Jesus, His Son, to earth. The prophet Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace. 
That's Isaiah 9, 6. It says, anyone who puts their trust in Jesus is made right with God and their peace with God is restored. Amen. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. That's a scripture from Acts 10, 36. So we have peace now with God through Jesus. But now we need to learn how to allow it or to allow him, because Jesus is our peace, to be manifest in our lives and to rule. Amen. Because the peace of God is supposed to be the umpire that runs every part of our life. Even in the storm. Just like Jesus. He got up. He ordered the wind to stop. He said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down. It was completely calm. You remember that? Just with a word. In that crowd, there was a woman who... Had been bleeding for 12 years. Had a terrible suffering. She was worried that she might get in trouble for touching him. And she would have. She was, it was illegal that she even be out in public. And definitely not touch anyone. Because she was unclean in that culture. And by law, she could have been stoned to death for doing what she did. So she was very brave. And that took faith to do that. Have you ever been so afraid or worried that your body was... Shaking on the outside. If you're shaking on the outside, you're shaking on the inside. (laughs) I've been there. For sure. But Jesus, he didn't want this, this terrified woman to live in fear and worry. He called her over to himself, didn't he? To let her know that she wasn't in trouble. That she was loved. Hmm? He wasn't. He was that healer that she was looking for. She was right to do what she did. And he let her know she wasn't in trouble. Matter of fact, he was very pleased with her. And he told her to go in peace. Go in peace. Oh, that was a different story. But so... She didn't just receive healing for her body that she was looking for, but she also received what? Peace. In Jesus. If he tells you to go in peace, you're going in peace. He just gave you peace. Healed her body, took away her suffering, and then gave her abiding peace. Jesus wants to give us this inner peace. John 14, 27, my favorite scripture. Jesus, on that last faithful night, he was telling them about everything he could cram into that last little class before they went out to where he was going to be arrested. He told them about being crucified and telling them how the Holy Spirit was going to take his place and that way he could be everywhere at once, you know. Tell them all the things they needed to know. And then he gave them something very personal in John 14, 27. Like he wanted to give them just a personal gift. But apart from the Father and the Holy Spirit, let me, let me just leave you all with something. Peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. 
Then he said, not as the world gives do I give unto you. I'm not going to take it back. And then he let us know that it's a relationship that we have a part to play. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Because that fear and doubt and unbelief hinders the peace of God. You can't hear God. You can't hear that umpire. Let's just call the peace of God that umpire. That God appointed umpire. You can't hear the ump when you get afraid and fearful. And start worrying. And I, you know, I found myself struggling with this the last few days myself. It's not, you know... <laughs> I'm not immune. I know the answer, just like you do. And the sooner I get to it, the better. Because the word is true. The word is true, and God is faithful. If I'm worrying, I don't have inner peace. I'm not resting in it. It's because I don't believe that God is, one, either able to care for me or I don't believe that God wants to care for me most people believe that God can do anything they just don't believe he will for them if I'm worried I don't believe the promise in Romans eight twenty eight that says God is working all things for the good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose you see God is not working all things for the good Period. But he is working all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That includes everybody in this room. Amen. That's powerful. That, you know, you can face a lot of adversity if you just believe that. If you believe in the valleys of your life that he's with you. Like he said in Psalm 23. That's why you won't be afraid. Because you know that he's right there with you going through. The world is terrified. And they're doing all these weird things to try to appease their own conscience. To try to provide for that God-sized void in them. That's why somebody would go out there and attack a freaking ship in a rubber boat to save a whale. But then, again, we'll do all sorts of weird stuff against God and people and those who love God, you know. Jesus had joy in the most difficult part of his life here on earth. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There are benefits. God says, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because you trust in him. Isaiah 26, 3. If I just can keep my mind set on Jesus and his promises, his word, his truth, his life, I can be free of fear and worry. Now, I believe that. I have not attained it, 
it comes and goes. But that's not because he comes and goes. It's all up to me. People sometimes hear this kind of teaching and they say, oh, that's very condemning. God is sovereign. Everything that happens is God's will. B.S. That's nonsense. You know why I hate that kind of teaching? I was in a church one time with 5,000 people. pastor said, if you're here today, it's because that's where, I, where God wants you to be. No matter where you are today, that's right where God wants you to be. I said, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's where God had for you to be. So he's talking to all the people downtown in the crack house too, you see. And so if that's what God wanted, then uh, what hope is there for them? Why would they resist the devil? If they're sick, why would they fight to get healed if that's God's will for their life? If they're separated in their marriage, why would they fight for that marriage that God ordained if they think that He's the one fighting against it? <laughs> get so upset sometimes. Get me started. Half of the problems in the body of Christ start right up here. And I love everybody, especially all those who serve the Lord. But man, I just want to shake, rattle, and roll some of them. If they ever think for half a minute, you know, the things they attribute to God, any parent in this world would be arrested for. But they call him a good God and a good father, but they say he does all these terrible things. It's not true. Jesus said it in John 10, 10, the devil comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. I forgot where I was going. <laughs> I was talking about our minds right between our ears. Philippians 4, 8, one of the scriptures that Tavana has always stood on for the last 10 years and meditated on says that finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things why first of all if god's telling you that that's what you need to think on, then that's, that's saying that you have the ability to do just that. And why is it a good thing to think on godly things? Proverbs 20, 23, 7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We need to take responsibility for our thought life, for our emotions. Most people say, I can't help how I feel. I can't help what I think. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I'm here to tell you. We're not called to live a life according to what we feel. That's where the world and us part. We're not called to live out of our emotions. This self-centered thinking has caused millions of people to go shipwreck, to miss God. And you can go lay on a couch and pay somebody $200 an hour to teach you how to go by your emotions. 
and to justify every thought. You're okay, I'm okay, it's okay. And miss God. Peace comes from obeying God because you know He loves you. And He's for you and He's not out to harm you or to hurt you in any way. Putting your trust in His Word and in denying the things of the world and of the devil which are competing for your time and attention, for your thought life, and it takes effort. It takes effort, it takes practice, but it's a very real and attainable thing to walk in the peace of God, even in the midst of the storms of our life. We have to look to the correct source of our power, though, our peace, our joy. It's not the responsibility or the ability of another person to provide you or with peace or to complete you. There is such a thing as amazing love and an awesome marriage, and that's the kind that God builds. But if you demand your spouse to make, make you happy, to fill the void in your soul, in your mind, in your emotions, then you're setting yourself and that person up for disaster. You're asking something that they don't have to provide. I don't know why I'm even going here today. This is, this is for, for those in, we have people in Russia, in London, somebody in California even. Praise God. Welcome, California. <clears throat> Remember the woman at the well? Jesus wants us to take from him the water that satisfies forever. Those rivers of living water. If we try to get satisfaction from any other source, we're going to be left wanting. That well is going to run dry, or in the very least, it's never going to satisfy us completely. And it'll ruin relationships and lives. In 1 Peter chapter 3, um, verse 10, Peter starts out and says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Pursue it. Who has that peace? Jesus. He is that peace. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Colossians 3.14, let peace rule. Here we go. Instead of worldly emotions, let peace rule. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's Colossians 3.15. Let that be your scripture this week. Let the peace of God, of Christ, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. That was the last two weeks. 
Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Be still, be still and know that I'm God, he says. The peace that the old folks were looking for and are still seeking today is only found in Jesus Christ. I wish I had that information to give my grandma and them back then. My great-grandfather was the minister, so my grandmother had to know it. But she was still looking for it when she was old. If she was here today, I would tell her honestly and in love. Well, you have it. You have him. You have it. Seek it. Pursue it. Let it be the umpire in your life. Run back to the maker. Jesus gave himself. Jesus returned to the Father. Now the Father sent the Holy Spirit. Now the peace we crave is an abiding fruit of the Spirit of God in us. Isn't it? Love, joy, peace is the third fruit of the Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. The kingdom of God is within us. All of the peace, love, and joy that we ever need, we already have. To the extent that we walk after the Spirit in agreement with God and His Word, magnifying God and His goodness over the cares and the concerns of this life, we will walk in peace. Amen. I want to read one more thing to you and then we're done. I'm sorry I went a little over today. I thought this was really cool. I always talk about James chapter 4. And I don't know if it gets a little, if it's like it sounds a little old fashioned or if it just doesn't break through. We hear the same thing. You know, you just, sometimes you need a new twist on things. And for that reason, if you ever get, if you ever, if you ever dry up in your Bible reading, and don't act like that's a big old sin. <clears throat> what do you mean? <laughs> Sometimes it just gets hard to read. And you apologizing all the time. I'm sorry, Lord. I just I, I don't want to. You know what he's saying? I don't either. Go. Go on. I, I, know, I know a preacher who, who used to have committed certain times. I had to pray for this and had to pray for this and read for this amount of time and one day he just finally told the Lord, Lord, I've been I've been dreading this for the last month and he said, I've been dreading it for the last year. <laughs> That's what the Lord told him. But he was just trying to get him to loosen up and enter into that relationship instead of the legalistic things he had moved into without even really wanting to. And he freed him up in that area and it and it became fun again. But anyway, I'm just talking about the Message Bible. I don't know if you've ever read anything from that. It can be kind of crazy. But this is uh, from James chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. It's really just a warning against worldliness, you know, and being a friend of the world. But in the Message, they call it, get serious. (laughs) He says, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. (laughs) They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for it, for what you don't have and are killing, are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence 
to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. Your spoiled children, each wanting your own way. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and His way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that He's a fiercely jealous lover. And what He gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. So let God work His will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and He'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the Master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. God gave the best Christmas gift by giving us Jesus Christ. He put the Christ in Christmas. And we don't want to exclude Him this year. Amen? Amen. We'll find the peace which is at the top of all of our Christmas lists. So our prayer should be, all I want for Christmas is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Keep Him first and foremost in your life. Make Him the big deal about Christmas and help others to know Him in that way too. And seek that peace that He gave you. Let it be the umpire in your life. Amen. Amen. Father, thank You for this message and for all of these that are here to receive it and those who will receive it in the future. We ask that You bless each and every one with the, the overwhelming understanding and revelation of the abiding peace of God in their lives and let it become the umpire of our lives and worlds. In Jesus' name, amen.